doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look, I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Chris Scalzo here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I revisit the scientifically magical world of Wakanda. It's Black Panther, Wakanda forever. T'Challa has passed, Matt, and to make things worse, Namor, or as I like it now, Namor. I like that so much better. He arrives in the MCU with his roguish charm and ankle wings to cause problems for our heroes. Then it's on to the Roku Channel original weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's a week full of colons, Matt, and there are in our films. Though I think we have colons too. Will the artist responsible for such luminary classics as Eat It and Dare to be Stupid deliver a biopic that even Matt can get behind? There's a scrumptious rundown of the big release on physical media featuring your streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I will close out the big show by um, another round of tough calls. It's the return of Call It featuring John Carpenter, Clint Eastwood, and who knows who else could show up. So let's start everything off with a clip from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Stop! Right there! Who are you? And how did you get in here? This place is amazing. The air is pristine. And the water. My mother told stories about a place like this. A protected land with people that never have to leave. That never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world? I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you? I have many names. My people call me Ahkukunkan. But my enemies call me Namor. I like this. It just sounds so cool. I was found myself, Matt, repeating it during my screening because I did not want to forget it. I loved it so much. Namor. Namor. It's... <laughs> It sounds like a like a like a, a Pepe Le Pew line, like Amor. And it's also like, have I been saying it wrong my the entire you know entirety of my life? Because I've I've always 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 said it Namor. I've always said Namor. Namor. Oh, see there yeah. you go. But I also you... said the Submariner for, uh, <laughs> until I was about thirteen. So very good. very good. Anyway, he's here, Matt Namor. Uh, has been cast. He is here in the MCU. Uh, Ryan Coogler, basically when he signed on to do Black Panther, claimed dibs on Namor at some point. He said he wanted to use him in some capacity, and mm-hmm. he's here. So yep. we are now here to discuss Wakanda Forever, Matt. What is it all about? So as you said in the opening, uh, King uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther that we know and love, he has passed away off screen due to illness. Now his mother um, is leading the, uh, Ramondi is leading the, the Wakandan people, and as always... There's a big deal about uh, vibranium as uh, Wakanda is the only place to get it. But 
the countries of the world, specifically the U.S., is looking for another deposit, see if they can get their hands on it somewhere else, and they find some at the bottom of the ocean. But it turns out uh, that the underwater kingdom ruled by Namor is is the guardians of said uh, vibranium, and he's not messing around. He basically shows up to Wakanda and says, you help us find the surface world because you made them aware of vibranium, or we take you out first. And comic book action happens after that. So the second films in the Marvel Universe movies, Matt, aren't always typically great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are f- a few exceptions, right? Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. yes. maybe one of the best films in the entire series. Spider-Man Far From Home is solid. I enjoy Guardians 2. And the rest of them are okay to not terribly good at all. Mm-hmm. So where does Wakanda Forever fall for you? So I was looking at the list of the number twos, and honestly, I think this is square in the middle. I think it's still in the top half, but I would put Winter Soldier first, Spider-Man Far From Home because I'm a Spider-Man fan. Well, you're never going to drag me away from that. Um, and then I would put Ant-Man and the Wasp and Guardians 2 above this. Um, but it's head and shoulders of the rest of them, which I thought were very disappointing across the board with Multiverse of Madness, Age of Ultron, Iron Man 2, and Dark World. I'm not sure this is the best Marvel Universe film to come out this year. Yeah. Let alone uh, in the top, near the top of the pack for me for sequels. I will say when I walked into the building to see this film, all right, I saw lots of costumes. I saw masks. I saw shirts. Mm-hmm. Exciting stuff. I'm always happy to see people who connect with a character with a property so deeply and it's so important to them. Yeah. It warms my cold, dead heart. <clears throat> so let's start, Matt, by talking about what works. I think it was the right decision to not recast T'Challa, to mm-hmm. uh, let Chadwick Boseman's performance end with his passing. I think mm-hmm. that was the right thing to do. And I think Kugler did a good job of honoring him and his character in this film. It doesn't feel overly oppressive, his presence in the movie. It's mostly celebratory, but also there's a nice memorial piece as well. I think Kugler nails a lot of stuff. I think his attention to detail here is fantastic. Like the use of the Aztec death whistle when Namor comes out of the water the first time, mm-hmm. the uh, costuming, the set designs, all of this stuff is great. I'm talking like Oscar-worthy costume design alone is fantastic. I think that he's making a big statement about imperialism mm-hmm. and its downstream impacts to the world we live in even to today. Mm-hmm. I think it's about as forthright a statement you're going to get in a big blackbuster kind of sanitized franchise that's supposed to appeal to the masses. Angela Bassett doing some incredible work here. Matt, you know she's 64. Wow. I would not have guessed at all. But she is fantastic in this. I believed every line delivery she makes when she confronts the UN, right, with those mercenaries. Great riveting scene. Tanakh Hurta, who plays Namor, solid, charismatic performance. It seems to lack a little bit of maliciousness and serious sinisterness, I think, that are actually laid by his lines. I think mm-hmm. maybe the issue is the camera may love him too much. Mm-hmm. I felt more impacted by how cool he was than I was f- any fear of him as a villain. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the changes to his origin are interesting. That is a lost... I don't really know if it's Aztec or Mayan. I'm not entirely Mayan. sure which. Is it Mayan? Yeah. Uh, but they're a lost kind of tribe that went into hiding, basically. I think the design of them, the, uh, the fact that their, their skin color goes back to, air quotes, normal um, underwater, but it's blue out of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the clothing design, the the city of Talokan, great, interesting stuff. The Michael Jordan cameo, I think was, spoilers, I guess, great. And I, felt, I think it helped ground Shuri's story that, we'll get into this, I don't know if I buy at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly all the thumbs up, Good stuff that I liked about Black Panther. Well, kind of mm-hmm. forever. What about you? Any thoughts on those? Anything you want to add? Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I will add is that there are some really cool um, fight scenes and battle scenes, especially when Nam- Namor. See, I almost went back to my old, you know, <laughs> decades of saying something different. Like when he's dancing around in the air, like uh, it, even his little winged feet don't look completely ridiculous or don't seem completely ridiculous as he's, you know, having these aerial battles with people. I thought all oh, that was like really cool and really well done. I mean, most of what you said, I don't really have anything to add to that because I think those really are the high points of this film but there are a lot of weird questionable things in this and then there are just some filmmaking choices that i don't agree with um so what are those let's get into that then all right so for first off this thing is very dark and i don't mean dark subject matter even though it does have a bit of pathos kind of running through it obviously from chadwick boseman's death but it's almost pitch black if you tried to watch this thing Mm -hmm. outside of a theater i think you would have a hell of a time because it almost seems like you need to watch it in a completely dark environment to even see what the hell's going on in a lot of scenes. And weirdly, especially underwater, like everything seems to have a very narrow focus. It's almost like you're kind of pigeonholed and looking at everything almost like a porthole, like while he's down there. He doesn't really give you this like, expansive vistas that you would expect to see for the most part underwater. He just kind of gives you this very narrow focus. And I, I don't know if I... I don't, that was a weird decision on his part. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. What did you see it in? I saw it in a Dolby theater. Uh, I saw it. It just had to go regular. That's what worked for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you in the Dolby theater. It it was a darker film. I would agree with that. And I mm-hmm. think outside of kind of when he does the big shot of the city with the yeah. sun, air quotes type of thing, right? Yeah. I yeah. think we get a little more expansive of a view there, but you're right. For the most part, there is kind of a claustrophobic feel to it. I guess he's trying to relay the fact that they are underwater. Right. Mm. Uh, but still, I would agree with that. What else? Um, weirdly, we'll talk about Shuri's story, but also it's weirdly, you know, you look at these Wakandans as like this enlightened people, but at the same time, they do these things that like, they almost don't seem like they're, like understand what they're doing. Like they like break into Riri's house. They threaten her. They try to kidnap her, but Riri, but it's presented like almost like, and of course it's a Koye. She's kind of imperialistic as it is, but it's just kind of weird the way they kind of juxtapose like the, the Wakandans. And like, I read somewhere, something online about where it's like, you almost forget that the Wakandans and I guess the, you know, Namor's people are all like, uh, a hereditary monarchy where no one's elected and basically all the all the leaders of the the land are all a bunch of warlords who manage to hold their their stuff by force and it's kind of a weird difference in 
I don't know, it's a weird juxtaposition watching it like their kind of anti-imperialist stance, they're kind of telling off the U.S. and France and the U.N., but at the same time, they're also, you know, essentially like the Queens of England walking around kind of thing. Like Mm. Nobody voted them into office. You've got, you know, a guy who is leading a tribe because he killed a bunch of people kind of thing is like your your kind of other hero. It's, It's just very strange juxtaposition. No, that is interesting. I think my biggest issue, though, I may have with the film is not just that I think that Cooler, I don't think the film is as grand as it's attempting to be. This Mm -hmm. grand kind of epic about these two factions dealing with the imperialistic implications of everything. And I just don't like Wakanda, who's possibly on the verge of being invaded. Yeah. And and then you have Talakan, who basically had to escape invasion. And I... I think my my big issue maybe is Letitia Wright. I just don't know if she's up for carrying this film. And she does. Kugler puts the lion's share of this movie on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I just... So she her arc basically is that she is filled with rage because of what a killmonger killing the... Um, the I'm forgetting the the the, the heart shaped herb. Yeah, the, the herbs that grant the panther their powers. Right. That allows for healing and stuff. And remember, at the in the last film, he burned them all, so he would be the last panther, basically. And she's so filled with rage, she wants to burn the world down. And even when she has her journey into the spirit realm, when she meets their ancestors, it's Killmonger who shows up. Mm-hmm. And she even designs her panther costume to reflect more his costume mm-hmm. than T'Challa's. But I don't feel that really from her. I don't know if it's a fault of the script. And I, I struggle with that because I think that Coogler and Cole's script is rock solid when it comes to Bassett. I mean, I think she's mesmerizing in this film. And I wonder if maybe that's part of it is like, all right. We have this legend in this film. Let's mm-hmm. make sure we really write her to the T's, right? And then maybe becomes too concerned, and I think rightfully so, at dealing with Bozeman's passing. I mean, I don't envy them. I'm sure they had an entirely different plan for this movie mm-hmm. until he passed. I'm sure they had the whole thing sketched out. I mean, it's horrible, but then, I mean, I don't know if maybe it was best to kind of sat on this for a while. Yeah. A few years, maybe? Yeah. Or I, I don't know. I just... I just don't know. I don't feel like I bought into her character's arc in any capacity. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I I can totally be on board with that. I mean, honestly, Letitia Wright doesn't really have the charisma or screen presence to pull this off. And maybe that's like an unfair comparison when you compare her to like Angela Bassett or Chadwick Boseman. But it just doesn't feel Or even right. Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, she feels like... She never kind of shakes that feeling of the kind of smart ass younger sister. That's what she always kind of, that's how always, it's hard to take her seriously as this protector of the realm kind of thing. And I don't know, again, I don't know if that's writing, but I, I'm almost leaning towards more, maybe it's just Letitia Wright. Cause on a, I've never seen Letitia Wright in anything else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what she's like as an actress beyond playing Shuri. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and that's an interesting point you bring up, too, because here's who she's going up against when it comes to charisma power. You have Angela mm-hmm. Bassett, right? You have Lupita Nyong'o. You have uh, Winston Duke. 
Yeah. I mean, who's another just giant, I think, on the screen, Tenakirta. I mean, a lot of the people outshine her, unfortunately, when it comes to that kind of rudimentary. And I think it's even stupid to say, but it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Tom Cruise is a movie star because he's a movie star, right? Right. There's this charisma, this, this whole reason why Ryan Reynolds has a career, right? Yeah. And The Rock, why The Rock was able to transition over. Right. They, they, those people have bottled charisma that they could just pour out of them. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I just, yeah, that didn't quite work for me. Another thing too, Matt, I found the CGI to be sketchy as hell at times. Mm. Like blaringly apparent green screen scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know who to attribute that to. I know that these movies are CGI heavy, right? And I understand how these CGI crews are allegedly treated by Marvel. And I know it's not an easy thing because it's, it's is it really just Marvel's fault just throwing all this stuff? But then you have these studios, these these special effects studios that are these companies who are struggling to survive. So they take these jobs because Mm -hmm. this is where the bulk of the work is now Mm -hmm. is working for Disney in some capacity. And you have to play by their terms with their, their money. Right. And everybody's desperate to get a hold of it. So they, they work their people to death. So it's, yeah, it, but there are some scenes where this is, it's not good. It is not good at all. And it was glaringly yeah. obvious. I'm not like asylum bad, but yeah. I mean, there's just some scenes like clearly they're in front of a green screen. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, and I think I've seen this with some of the Star Wars stuff too. And although that's more of a, a show kind of factor, but I think this is still lingering problems of the pandemic, right? Things became really hard to kind of get done. Work dried up. Um, studios dried up. And I think there's such a huge backlog that they're trying to get to that they're forcing to cut corners and the work is not really up to par. I don't know how we catch up because they keep producing these things. It's not like yeah. we kind of, you know, can take a breather, take a break. But um, I'm hoping they kind of, resu- you know, kind of fix everything. I mean, who knows? We'll see. And I think the final, the last thing that just was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Is Julia Louis Dreyfus's Fontaine? Hmm. Just boring as hell. I don't know what we're. I mean, I know what we're doing with this character. I know what she's supposed to represent and eventually do. Yeah, but she is like a non-entity, and I think in almost everything she's shown up in at this point. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is, I guess Ironheart. Now I've been out of reading comics for a while. I know yeah. of her, yeah. but I've I was read that's past my comic reading point, so I never read sure. anything with her. Mm-hmm. That kind of felt fan servicey mm-hmm. to me. It's like, well, we need to come up with the, this. So let's figure out a way to get Ironheart in here. And, and is she basically does she become like Iron Man type of a thing in the future? Then is that what she takes over that role? Well, uh, not really, because I mean, the comic books, Tony Stark's still alive. Well, still, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, it, just think of it like um, she's part of the 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 Stark tech family. You know, you've got Rescue with Pepper Potts, you got War Machine, you got to- Iron Man, and then you've got her as Ironheart, and it's just kind of like a a younger skewing version of Iron Man is basically what they're trying to go for. Eh, all right. That's fine. I just, again, all right. Any other passing thoughts for you or final thoughts have to say? For the, I mean, uh, the only thing that I can say is this, I think to, especially to Chris's critique of the fact that Julie Louis Dreyfus is in here is this film. And even the previous film to a certain extent, the Black Panther films feel very insular unto themselves. They don't really feel like they're part of this wider Marvel Cinematic Universe for better or worse. I think maybe for better in the first, but when you're trying to bring 
things like Namor or, you know, the spoilers Thunderbolts lady into like their version of Amanda Waller into this thing. Like I, it feels jarring. And I think, I think that, you know, maybe these are not the type of films that you should be trying to introduce them in because it just seems like it's such a self-contained different world kind of thing. Interesting. All right. Matt, I'm going to give Wakanda Forever a C plus. Wow, C plus. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a B minus. I think I enjoyed a lot of the action scenes enough, and I think uh, see, somehow... I didn't think those were that good either. I thought they were all right. Sometimes it was kind of hard to follow because you said it was dark. Yeah, some stuff I didn't quite get. Like are their plan to ambush Namor. Why would you go into the middle of the ocean to do that? I know you got to mm-hmm. draw him out, mm-hmm. but you're going into his strength, right? Anyway, I you know what. I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say. I think it's all right. It's not great, but it's it's not terrible either. I mean, probably ask me in six months and I'll probably knock it down a letter grade or two. We'll see. Fair enough. If you had a chance to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever currently in theaters, shoot us an email at feedback at com. Did I sound too biased at all in that? I think I was pretty straightforward. I don't think I was. Uh... No, I don't think you're. I don't think you were biased. I mean, but here's the thing. The best parts of, of Black Panther were the villains, right? I mean, we're, you know, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger and mm-hmm. and uh, Andy Serkis's Ulysses as Claw because he was just so funny. Yeah. But I mean, and you just don't have something with that same level of fun to it. I mean, I guess Namor is great, but he's not bouncing off as good a villain. Uh, or I mean, as good a hero, I should say, in uh, as you were in the original. Yeah. Hmm. All right, folks, let us know. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, November 22nd. We cannot afford to push our opening again. People will think we're in trouble. Maybe this whole place could fall apart. We need new ideas for what goes in the final Mm -hmm. wing, and we need them now. Cherry, go. You know the blue whale hanging in the Museum of Natural History? Yes. What about that, but instead of the blue whale, it's a lesbian? Oh, no. Yeah, uh-uh. okay. Well, yeah, we can't do that. What if the final exhibit was a recreation of a queer wedding? I like that. Okay, that I don't have. Tomorrow, that is so That's sweet. Good. I love that. And people can come and register for wedding gifts here. You're gonna write that. Oh, my God. And no! That is old-fashioned, heteronormative nonsense. We need to get people to rethink history through a queer prism, not comfort them with another gay wedding, all right? It's a museum. It's not Schitt's Creek. Oh, I like but Schitt's I, oh, Creek. I love Schitt's Creek. That show has oh, layers. Right. Everyone loves Schitt's Creek. Great, okay. That's who you remind me of, Eugene Levy. So that is a clip from Bros, the film starring Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane. It's billed as, well, I guess the first basically gay, wide-release romantic comedy mm-hmm. uh, that came out in the theaters. You can pick it up on uh, Blu-ray. I will tell you, Matt, though, this week... It's like 4K week. There is a ton of UHD stuff coming out, which we'll get into. Uh, also coming out, Matt, it was, was it Swedish or Norwegian? The uh, Hatchling or Hatching, I should say. The film we... Uh, yeah. I Danish? Think it was, I think it might be... Uh, German. No, it's definitely not German. It's definitely Australian? Nordic somewhere. Right. Danish, Finnish, Norwegian, Swedish. It's one of those. So it's about a young gymnast who... Trying desperately, Matt, to plead, plead or please her demanding mother. She discovers a strange egg and takes it home and hatches it. And then insanity occurs. You can mm-hmm. actually go back in the archives and listen to that one. Music Box is putting out Medusa. In order to resist temptation, Mariana and her friends try their best to control everything and everyone around them. However, the day will come when the urge to scream will be stronger than it's ever been. Kino Orber is putting out Hold Me Tight. 
about a woman one day who simply walks out on her family. Or does she? Wild Eye Releasing is putting out the Dead Girl in Apartment 3. After recently moving into New York City, a young woman is horrified to discover her roommate has died in the apartment under mysterious circumstances. Matt, coming out in uh, Season 1 for Blu-ray. I tend not to buy tv shows anymore mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm i'm waiting on like a better call saul set i have the first two seasons i didn't pick up the rest so i may try yeah. and sell those and pick that at some point but i'm thinking about this one and that's peacemaker it's getting season one released it includes a couple making of featurettes a gag reel and there's a ton of stuff on here i think that's what's pushing me over the edge is there's a lot it looks like potentially funny little behind the scenes or making of or that kind of things on this one so that may pull the trigger on me so the story of it which is a documentary about pennywise mm, okay. includes uh some uh let's see just making of featurettes as well and then there's a short film about georgie on there oh. too have you okay. seen this have you heard about this at all it'll probably pop no. up on shutter at some point i imagine no no this is all news to me there you go new to blu-ray there is the sony pictures classic these are all 4k sets the 30th anniversary of these movies you have Orlando, The City of Lost Children, The Celluloid Closet, Run, Willow, Run, SLC Punk, The Devil's Backbone, Volver, Schenectady, New York, Still Alice, Call Me By Your Name. Wait, that's not 30 years old. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm. All getting a 4K release in this box set. Shout Factory is putting out A Kind of Loving. It's about a young man who's inching his way up from working class traditions via a white collar job, but he finds himself trapped by the frightening reality of his girlfriend's pregnancy and is forced to marrying her moving in with his mother-in-law due to a housing shortage in northern England town. Please restored in 2K by Studio Canal. A uh, 1961 short film by the director John Schlesinger called Terminus is included with this set as well. 52577, Matt, is coming out. Alienated, hopeful filmmaker Pat Johnson's epic story growing up in rural Illinois, falling in love, and becoming the first fan of the movie that changed everything. Includes an audio commentary by the writer-director Patrick Reed and more. Paramount is putting it started in Naples, featuring Clark Gable and Sophia Loren. They're also putting out My Friend Irma, featuring Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Cauldron is putting out the Lucio Fulci film Contraband with a brand new 4K restoration, as well as four new interviews, a new audio commentary, and more. Murder in a Blue World is also putting out with a 2K restoration, which includes a Spanish producer's cut from the original negative. It's set in the future, Matt. The story follows a nurse who tries to bring her own style of relief to people condemned to die. Her identity is a mystery, and she may not be quite what she seems. Also coming out, Cult Epics is putting out Madame Claude, also known as the French Woman. You get a CD of the soundtrack as well on that. It is a 4K restoration from the original camera negative. Kino Orb is putting out The Blood Beast Terror, featuring Peter Cushing with a brand new 2K restoration. Though it was done in 2012, so I'm assuming this is a new, just a reissue. But it does have a new audio commentary. MVD is putting out the um, late 80s, early 90s, kind of B sex comedy thing, Ski Patrol. You remember oh, Ski Patrol? I do remember Ski Patrol. I think I probably watched that at some point late at night on Cinemax. There you go. Well, that's coming out on Blu-ray. Rod Serling's Night Gallery Season 3 comes out on Blu-ray. You get 2K remasters of all the episodes as well as new audio commentaries on each one. Uh, Justified is being reissued in a Blu-ray box set just in time for the holidays. Mm. And they're coming back, right? Are they doing like a, a limited series or a TV movie or something like that on that? Yeah, that's what I heard. I really like I'm a big fan of Justified. I really enjoyed that show. As am I. 4K, Matt. Here we go. You ready? You ready. Criterion is putting out its first release as part of its deal with Disney. And that is Wall-E. It's a brand new 4K master approved by the director, Andrew Stanton. 
It includes a Dolby Vision HDR presentation of film with a Dolby Atmos soundtrack. Uh, two audio commentaries. What else do we have here, man? There's a bunch of stuff on there. Some deleted scenes. A student film by Stanton is included in this, as well as a short film by uh, McLean called Burn E from 2008. I'm on the fence on this, on upgrading this one. I don't know if my Blu-ray is sufficient. I'd imagine it is, but I don't know. But was there, let's put it this way. If I was ever to upgrade a Pixar movie, it would be Wall-E for me. It's still my it's favorite one. Yeah. Criterion is also putting out Spike Lee's Malcolm X in 4K. There's a Blu-ray individual release as well. You get a brand new 4K restoration of the film, an audio commentary from 05, a new conversation between Spike Lee and journalist screenwriter Michael Cooper, a new interview with Delroy Lindo, as well as the composer of the score, Terrence Blatchard. Um, just a bunch of stuff in this one. So a feature-length documentary from 1972 about Malcolm X is included, deleted scenes, and more. Here's what we've been waiting for. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Matt Shaw Factory is putting out The Company of Wolves in 4K. Brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative on that one. A brand new audio commentary as well. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Matt, gets a 4K restoration. I have not heard good things. Oh, Unfortunately. Bad. Now, the thing about that, though, is that there is over an hour of never-released deleted extended scenes oh, wow. in this. So if you're a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles fan... That's your thing. Special features that are brand new, but supposedly a transfer that is not great. Okay. And here's one I've pre-ordered, Matt, because I have not owned this in any capacity outside of DVD. High Points Drifter in 4K. Oh, nice. And it was previously restored as well, but now I guess it's released here in the States. It includes a new audio commentary by film historian Steve Mitchell and Nathaniel Thompson. And includes the old audio commentary by Alex Cox. But a big fan of High Points Drifter. I'm assuming you are too? Oh, yeah. It's a good one. One of good uh, late period Eastwood uh, Westerns. All right. And some other catalog stuff. Mystery Men, the uh, 90s Ben Stiller oh, yeah. superhero comedy is in 4K. Yeah. Rollerball, the James Caan film, not the remake. Shrek 2, Puss in Boots, Ip Man and Ip Man 2. And then finally, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, all being released in 4K. Matt, you're straight to DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with Apex Survival. Tanya and Julia face their fears, Matt, as they prepare to free dive together with experienced conservationist divers Ocean and Juan in Shark Alley in Gasabai, South Africa, the great white shark capital of the world. We witness a devastating impact the exploding Cape fur seal population has in the endangered African penguin caused by the disappearance of the white shark. In search of great whites, the team sails to a marine protected area and fishing village in the southwest point of African content. Unexpected encounters with southern right whales and dolphins add to the amazing underwater experience. Wait, this doesn't sound that bad at all. This is like a documentary. It's funny because the the cover of this made it look like it was some crazy horror film. And it's uh, not that at all. It looks like a nice little film about uh, sharks and seals. All right, well, swing and a miss, Matt. What should we be streaming this week? All right, in... uh... Honor of Black Panther director Ryan Coogler, I'm going to recommend, uh, I don't know if it was his first film, but it was the film that kind of put him on the map, uh, Fruitville Station, starring Michael B. Jordan. I won't tell you too much about it, but it's about a young man who is um, kind of traveling through Oakland, California, meeting up with friends and family on his way to a fateful meeting at the proverbial Fruitville Station. It's available on Hulu and Prime. you got to have one of the two. I'm assuming. So you should be able to check it out. It is great. And what makes the whole thing worse is that it's a true story. Huh? I did not even know that. Thanks, Chris. There you go. Yeah. 
So, all right. Let's keep rolling that and spend a few minutes talking about the Roku original. The film that's going to bring people to Roku in hordes. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to a clip from Weird. I don't want to work at the factory. I want to make songs. What? You want to make songs? Did you hear that, Mary? Oh, we got a regular Bing Crosby on our hands, don't we? Nick, you're embarrassing him. Oh, am I? Why don't you sing us a little ditty, Bing, huh? Such a little songbird. Sing one for us. Amazing grapes, how sweet the juice. It tastes so good to me. Stop it, stop! What in God's name are you doing? Those aren't the right words. I know. I made them better. By changing the lyrics to a well-known song? No, boy, what you're doing is confusing and evil. My God, and I will not have that kind of blasphemy in my own home. But, Dad... God, what has gotten into you, Alfred? Hmm? With the songs and the crazy magazines? That is all gonna stop now, young man. Honey, I know it's hard to hear this, but your dad and I had a long talk, and we agreed it would be best for all of us if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. So we have Weird, Matt. The entirely true story of the rise of a musical sensation, Weird Al Yankovic. I got to tell you, whenever Toby Huss, who plays the dad in that scene, shows up, I know I'm going to be in for a really interesting and or fun performance. He was probably my favorite thing about that film, Cop Shop, that came out last year. Yeah. And uh, he is always a blast to watch. So... Either way, Matt, weird, the Al Yankovic story. What are your thoughts on this? So you notoriously are known to hate biopics. Correct. But you are a fan of Walk Hard, which is a satirical take on a biopic, generally about Johnny Cash. Right. So what are your thoughts on Weird Al? Does it redeem them in your eyes? Or do you basically, it's, it's like satirical biopic or bust, right? I'm not interested unless it's something like this. Yeah, I think satir- satirical biopic of us for me. I thought this was a pretty enjoyable film. I don't think it's it, it doesn't reach the heights of Walk Hard, but no. what can really? Um, and it has its it has its moments, parts that are really clever, some that are kind of like okay, yeah, I can see what you're going for. But overall, I kind of like the good natured jabs at the kind of tropes of biopics. Just the fact of like Al's um, making up of his classic songs on the spot kind of thing and of course releasing the all-time original absolutely 100% original song eat it you know before it was covered by in a satirical way by michael jackson and made it about a fight i mean those things are you know 100% true and i i i appreciate the kind of looking at all this stuff and you know kind of pointing out the ridiculousness of the biopic format in and of itself yeah, I think there's a lot to enjoy with this film. I think it is. I've found that as I've gotten older, I've enjoyed absurd humor more mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. And this film is just kind of filled with it, you know. And I think it's a, it's a, maybe a nice aperitif, like a nice, maybe a nice warm up for like a walk hard. Mm-hmm. Or if you like, like Barb and Star, right? I think yeah. you'll, there's enough in here for you to enjoy as well. I loved, I like all the stuff with Madonna, I thought was brilliant and excellent. <laughs> I loved every second of it. I enjoyed the pool scene. 
right? And I love, so I want to run through some of those guest workers. They're not all named, all yeah. right? So this kind of this riff on Boogie Nights, yeah. right, in this pool scene. Devo's there. I think yep. Grace Jones. 1983, David Bowie. Let's yep. dance Bowie. Divine. Kate Pearson from the B-52s. Alice Cooper. Gallagher. Andy Warhol. Salvador Dali. Frank Zappa. Elvira. And I, outside of, you know, Yankovic and Wolfman Jack and Dr. Demento, I feel like that's everybody. And of course, John Deacon. Who yes. I, I knew immediately who he was supposed to be. Yeah. Because of that little look. Yeah. Me being such a huge Queen fan that I am. But uh, yeah, I, I found that scene quite hilarious. I love Thomas Lennon as the accordion salesman. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many great little throwaway jokes in this. So I think it's well worth your time. From what I understand, too, Radcliffe actually sang all the songs. Okay. But they had Weird Al overdo them in post instead. Yeah. And all I'm going to say right now is release the polka cut. I want to see <laughs> the Radcliffe version of these songs. I want to hear them. There's a funny little two riff on the uh, doors when Jim Morrison got arrested for indecent exposure. That was in yeah. Connecticut, too, wasn't it? Uh, I think it might have been. I think it was in New Haven somewhere. Yeah. So I grew up with a kid who was a huge Doors fan. So, But yeah, yeah. So seeing that was great. I think it's very, very funny at times. I think it drags a bit at others. Though mm-hmm. overall, it's a lot of fun. Particularly if you're a Weird Al fan, this is like a, a dream come true for you, you know? I will say even I think Walk Hard drags a bit at the end. Yeah. But still, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Though I think the lack of Dare to be Stupid in any capacity in this <laughs> almost knocked off a letter grade for me. It's shameful. <laughs> the erasure of Dare to be Stupid, which like my, mm. was my favorite Weird Al song as a kid. That was your jam as a kid. Did you have any Weird Al as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, I had, I had his... I think at least two of his tapes. I was, uh, I was, there was a very brief but intense period of Weird Al fandom, like yeah. when I was like, you know, seven or eight years old. <laughs> I think I was more like 12. I think that time frame works, but yeah. 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 What about you? Any other stuff you enjoyed, stuff you didn't care for? No, yeah. I really love Ava and Rachel Wood as Madonna. And I just like how, you know, she's now some Mexican cartel uh, drug lord um, replacing <laughs> Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Pablo Escobar. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a lot of. Yeah, like Chris said, it's it's a lot of fun. It's easy to watch. You don't have to go out to go see it. Um, I think it's definitely worth your time as a little ninety minutes uh, ludicrous comedy film about uh, Weird Al, who also, by the way, makes a cameo as the record executive yeah one of the scotty brothers and then mm-hmm. will forte plays the other i don't want to yeah. ruin let's, let's, if you're a comedy bang bang fan mm-hmm. you're gonna there's gonna be a lot in here for you to enjoy a lot of those people Ackerman shows up right i mean Lynn one well miranda's in this you have thomas lennon as we talked about paul F. tompkins is in this so i love i like the, listen i don't want to spoil it because i feel like you just i just you have to when you see who the people are portraying the yeah. famous people, that's kind of part of the of the joy. So I, I don't want to get into that anymore. So it's good. It's fun. And it's streaming exclusively at the moment on the Roku channel. All you have to do is have access to Roku. You yeah. don't have to buy anything. You don't have to yeah. subscribe to anything. Yep. You just go to, to the Roku channel on your uh, streaming stick, whatever it is. Now, you're going to run into issues like Apple TV doesn't offer the Roku channel app, right? But if you have a smart TV, mm-hmm. you can get it. Yeah. That's fire awesome. sticks do. You can get it out. You can download it. You can't it get the fire stick. Okay. You can on a fire stick. Yeah. 
Yeah, good times. All right, folks. So I'm going to give Weird uh, the Al Yankovic story, man. I'm giving it a, I keep going between a B and a B minus. I feel like yeah. I'm sitting at B minus, but you know what? I'm going to go B because there is just a couple of times when I really laughed out loud. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think B. I'm going to go B. Yeah, I'm going to go B as well. It's the low end of B. It's yeah. kind of like right on the edge there. Um, but 84. I think, yeah, it's like an 84, but uh, it's, it's, it's still fun. It gave me enough. Oh, 80, yeah, 84, right? That'd be B? Yeah, because yeah. 80, 81, 82. No, so it'd be 83. 80, 80, yeah, 83, right. Yes. 83, 84, 85, then 86, 87, 88, 89. That doesn't work either. I think 83, I remember an 83 was still a B minus. 84 was the beginning of the B. Okay, so we'll say 84. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, what are your thoughts on Weird, the Alienic story, as we said, currently available on the Roku channel? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. Matt, let's close it out then and spend a few minutes with Call It. You know, it's funny, before we did this, I last it was a couple days ago, I was working on my list because I had convinced myself in my head it was a holiday gift guide. So I oh. spent like an hour, two hours putting stuff together. And then I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, oh, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> well, now you're way ahead of the game. That's it. All right, so let's go ahead then and uh, play around to college, shall we? Mm-hmm. Something's brewing at D&D. Wow! Alpacino! It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, hooah, lucky light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too. Caramel swirl, I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. Can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids from 7 to 17 lining up for my Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Dunkachino. So, Dunkachino is from. God, is it Jack and Jill? It's one of the later uh, Adam Sandler movies where he okay. reps him as an agent. Okay. And uh, Al gets really upset that he put him in this commercial. Okay. that's. But every time I have an opportunity to use Dunkachino, which I think is legitimately hilarious, I'm going to use it. <laughs> because, Matt, your first call it is. Who would you rather have a humorous biopic about? Al Pacino mm-hmm. or Clint Eastwood? Ooh, uh, God, both of those could be really good. I think just because Al Pacino would be so over the top, that would be funny. But Clint Eastwood has no, I feel like as someone has no humor about himself. So he'd be really pissed off about it. I'm going to have to say Al Pacino because I, I mean, anytime you can get anybody to kind of keep saying she's got a great ass, um, it's mm. going to have to be in there somewhere. I don't know, man. I, I, I kept going to Clint because he's so serious. And you know, I don't know if he's probably laughed five times in his life. Right. I feel like part of <laughs> But then, you know, the other issue, though, with with Clint is there's the uh, domestic abuse stuff <laughs> that I had forgotten about. Was, was it Sandra Locke, right? So okay. I had forgotten about that when I put this list together. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go out because I don't okay. know how to, how to do a humorous spin about Clint beating up his wife. Sure, sure, sure. I'm sure Al has some skeletons somewhere. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Gotta say allegedly. You don't want to get sued, Chris. That's right. All right. All right, Duncan so Chino it is. Duncan Chino. But Clint is so self-serious. He right, is. Go ahead, continue. Yeah. Um, all right. 
it'd be funny though to see like Clint do Clint and then just watch him have a meltdown like when he saw it for the first time. Although <laughs> at the same time he's like 112 at this point, so who knows if he would even be able to right. know what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so movie Aquaman or movie Namor, Momoa or our fine feathered friend with his feet. I. So if I'm going to make some really weird rules about this. I mean, my instant reaction is Aquaman, but I think Momoa, again, is another charismatic guy, and I, and I like him. He's a big, burly kind of, you know, just entertaining, handsome, handsome man. But uh, <laughs> if like it was one of the things where it would free him up to do Lobo, which I think is a better fit for him, mm-hmm. I think would be, I'd be, then I would go Namor. But uh, I think in the end, I'm, I'm a DC guy. So, and I think too, Namor's the villain so i don't i know he teams up with the avengers and the fantastic four on a time and a time and again mm-hmm. every now and then. so but i just don't he doesn't have any interesting foils like maybe a team-up movie with him and dr doom like the old school marvel villain team-up comics yeah but in the end i don't know i just think black manta is such a kick-ass villain <laughs> They're just weird but really cool costume design that I've yeah. always loved it. So yeah. I guess I go, uh, how do I say that? Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, Aquaman as well. Uh, really? Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, if we're talking Momoa, I mean, he gave us such beautiful bon mots as, my man. That, I mean, how can we not, <laughs> how can we not <laughs> like live with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, Namor never gave me anything that fun and cool. So. No, I mean, Namor, he has his imperious Rex yeah. thing, but it's not even a battle cry like it is in the comics. Him, it's more he's getting his butt kicked. So yeah. I don't, yeah, no, that's true. My man! It's not, you know, we can't lose that. We can't. That's a good point. All right, Matt, what do I got for you here? Where's my list? Here we go. Uh <sighs> Well, actually, you know what? It just occurred to me. We answered... No, we didn't. We're good. Okay. I had four questions, so I can... Well, you answered it in the first segment, so I'm going to jettison that now, and I'm going to go, Matt. Screen Run Season 3 is here. Okay. When the day we're recording this, the first episode dropped. Ooh. Okay. So you can listen to our discussion of Dark Star right now. So, Matt, what is the better Carpenter-Russell collaboration, Escape from New York or Big Trouble in Little China? Oh, that's tough. Uh, are we considering Big Trouble in Little China problematic these days in today's oh, interesting. During current climate? I don't know. Let's pretend it's uh, 1988. Let's pretend it's 1988. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Ugh. As fun as parts of Big Trouble in Little China are, I think... Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go escape from New York. I don't. I don't know if I feel good with that answer, but I think I'm gonna go with escape from New York. So I just watched my 4K of Escape from New York last night in anticipation okay. of Screen Run, and it's a lot of fun. If you want to hear all my thoughts, you're obviously gonna have to wait for that, which won't be out for a couple of weeks. Um, actually, if not a month and a half. Either way, I don't know. I keep going back and forth. I think in the end, the stronger character is probably Snake Plissken. I mean, that's like the role of a lifetime, potentially, mm-hmm. for some actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pulpy, kind of B-movie, badass guy. You've got an eye patch, for Christ's sake. Right. But 
Jack Burton is so much fun. And it, I, I'm not even sure myself which one I'd go with. I guess for now, I'll say Escape from New York, given what Carpenter's able to do with the limitations of the technology he had at the time. Mm-hmm. Though I think the final act of that film is not great. Uh, I and I have not watched Escape from New York. I've owned it on Blu-ray for whenever the Scream Factory release came out. I bought it like a year later, and I've never watched it. Okay. And I just bought the 4K, and I watched that instead. <laughs> so it's been a long, and I have not watched. Um, what's the other one? What are we talking about? Uh, oh, Big Trouble in Little China. That I haven't watched probably in ten years. Yeah. Though I remember liking it a lot. I, I'm just gonna go Escape from New York. What the hell? The hell? Is yeah. It? Makes sense. All right, so this is your chance, Chris. All right, so you're either gonna write a pass wrong or let a or let a story franchise go out to pasture. Okay. Uh-huh. So Crystal Skull or MB5, which do you get rid of? Well, I, I have to see Indy 5 first, no, don't I? No, no, no. You have to say, it's basically what I'm asking you is, do you erase the abomination that is Crystal Skull, or do you have to just realize that they should probably just let this thing go and uh, quit trying to uh, milk this dead cow, if you will? I'm going to hold on to Skull, and I'll tell you why. First off, Spielberg is not directing the new film. I think James Mangold is. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, Crystal Skull, for all its flaws, has a really nice ending. Mm. And I think it recaptures some of the energy of the first series at in moments. It's mm-hmm. there. And Harrison Ford is younger <laughs> than he is for this fifth one. Sure. It's a little more believable. Right. So... I think I'm going to go Crystal Skull just because I think that there's just too many unknowns, Matt. There's too many unknowns. I have a burden hand with a film that's reasonably entertaining at times that has some flaws, but I can watch it and still enjoy it. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to keep Crystal Skull as well. I don't think we need a really another Indiana Jones. Do you think they'll bring him out like they did in... like? Uh, like young Indiana Jones where he's got the eye patch and he's like 112 years old make, made up kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. Maybe possibly. Maybe. Is, do you think you mean like the Mangold film is going to be entirely basically a transition, like a Star Trek generations handoff type thing. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you remember that show young Indiana Jones? From yeah. Like, I don't think I ever 90s? watched it, but yeah, I know right. of it. So basically it was telling stories of, but like they showed, present day indie and he was like Methuselah like he was all hunched over he was like super wrinkled he had an eye patch like all that kind of stuff so I'm wondering if we're going to get any of that because you know Harrison Ford is you know whatever he is 85 um, at this point something like that yeah 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 could be that might be interesting I don't know what do you remember years ago when we were reasonably okay with Chris Pratt taking over the role when there was talk of that yeah I remember Pepper Charles yeah <laughs> All right, man, I'm going to close it out. Uh, Okay, so the um, Scalzo household at the height of the pandemic, and of course with my wife going for a doctor at the same time, there's a high-pressure situation in the uh, first-run HQ. So after Halloween, what we decided to do was that weekend is take down all the Halloween decorations and put up the Christmas decorations. 
and we've done that every year since. This is year three, I guess, of that. Okay. So sure. our house. I don't know, Matt, if you can see it. Actually, I'm going to show Matt, you oh, can, can see it. Oh, my, I can see it. I can see it little, over your shoulder, yeah. A little Christmas tree on my little... Yeah, see? So our house is ready to go. So I'm ready to go. I've listened to my Frank Sinatra Have a Jolly Christmas album 10 times already in the last two weeks, which is my favorite Christmas album. So Matt, for you, pick one. It's a Wonderful Life is off the shelf. It's a great Christmas movie of all time. I will not mess with it in any capacity, cosmically, metaphorically. I'm not touching it. Okay. So choose one, A Christmas Story or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Damn. I This would probably be sacrilege, I think. I think I'm going to say Christmas Vacation is what I'm going to keep. Um, I would get rid of, if I had to, get rid of Christmas Story. Just because Christ, as I get older, Christmas Vacation reminds me of all of my dysfunctional family holiday get-togethers. So it feels more real, whereas opposed to, you know, Christmas Story is so of a different time. Like, it almost feels like a fairy tale kind of thing. How's it now, though, that you're in your role, you're Clark now. You're Clark Griswold in your life. Yeah, right. How, how do you feel about that? Is that... <laughs> uh... um, that's that's horrifying, but thank you. You're no longer about. rusty. No, no, not a, if I ever was. But no, no, I... Yeah, I, I guess uh, thank you for bringing my life into sharp relief, Chris. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I started watching uh, Christmas Vacation the other day when I was doing some stuff around the house. And there's some stuff in that film that doesn't work now at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some stuff that still works. But in the end, I probably have to go a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also a weird family tradition. Uh, my sisters will stay up. That is a TBS that runs at twenty four hours. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Once it starts, they watch it until they fall asleep, over and over and over. They started doing that when they were kids, and they still do it okay. to this day. Okay. So I'm not that crazy a fan about it. I do still enjoy though the fantasy aspect of it. It does kind of call back to a different time. Granted, there are a lot of issues with that time, but still, it's uh. I don't know. I, I, there's, I have more of a nostalgic Christmas warmth to that film, where sometimes Christmas Vacation feels more like we're stuffing a comedy into a holiday movie. Sure. So I'd probably go Vacation. I'm sorry, I'd go Christmas Story. All right. So there you go. Very good. Very good. All right. Is that it? We done? No. Well, we can be. You I have one, one more? more if you want to hear it. Yeah. Please. Sure. All right. So there's been some uh, Cabell fan casting, okay? So I want you to pick one. Uh-huh. Cavill Wolverine or Cavill James Bond? Oh, Bond. I think I still think they're going to go younger for Bond, but I feel that he would be... I mean, he almost looks like the original version of the character. He needs mm-hmm. like a scar down his cheek, but that'd probably be about it. I mean, he could definitely... I'd much rather have him for Bond than I would uh, Wolverine. Wolverine, I think, is too. We can't keep having like six foot guys as Wolverine. I need a little guy. What is Wolverine in the comics? Like five, four. Yeah. He's like a five, one, five, two Canadian. Who's like, you know, 200 pounds of solid muscle. Yeah. So, but that's, I would go bond. What about you? Yeah, I would go bond too. I think, uh, Cavill could pull off the, the British suaveness of being also a hulking killer, um, in a tuxedo kind of thing. I just think you're right. 
I just think uh, you can't go with another tall Wolverine. That would just be incorrect because, uh, kind of, I'm just blanking on his name. What's who? Uh, Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman was tall, but like, but Cavill is huge. Like he doesn't. It seems like he would be really inappropriate to play Wolverine. Yeah, I just and there's just so much more. He just fits the Bond role so much better than he does. I think the Wolverine. Too. I don't know if Wolverine needs to be just just disturbingly handsome guy. I don't know if that needs to happen. But they did that once already, so let's move on. So Yeah, there you go. All right. What are your thoughts? Who would you keep? Who'd you get rid of? What do you what calls are you gonna make? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. Matt, what's coming up next week on the big shoe? So we are going to Get review uh, another horror film called Bones and All with the, I guess, dreamy to some people, Timothy Chalamet. Apparently they shut down his European premiere because so many Timothy Chalamet fans showed up that they had to shut down the red carpet. And um, we're going to compare that with the two great tastes that go great together at Noah Holmes too. speaking of Henry Cavill. <laughs> there you go. That'll be fun. Uh, and of course, next week is our big holiday gift guide, right? Since the uh, Black Friday, this episode will premiere on the uh, on Black Friday. So you got something to listen to while you're doing your holiday shopping. I have nothing to add. Uh, you know, you know. I hope, I hope it's, I hope you, you and I can do one of these together one of these days, Chris. Well, I have a lot going on next week, so we'll have to see. I'm I hoping. See, yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I, hear you. I understand. <laughs> In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Go ahead and search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll uh, help other people find the show as well. And, of course, thefirstrun.com. You can find the report card, which I still haven't updated, but I have a lot of vacation time coming up, so I'll get that done. And you can find archives of all the old, I mean, all the old shows, even the really poor audio qualities when we had different hosts. You can find them all there. And that's it, Matt. So why don't we go ahead and take an extended break? We love you all very much. Take care of yourselves. Pablo Escobar, you just made the biggest mistake of your life.